Welcome to this Touch Podcast activity, which has been recorded for Touch Oncology. In this podcast, three experts discuss the role of biomarkers in optimising the treatment of colorectal cancer and how biomarkers are shaping the evolving treatment landscape. The discussion is guided by pre-canvassed questions provided by healthcare professionals involved in the management of patients with colorectal cancer. This activity is funded by an independent medical education grant from the healthcare business of Merck KGAA, Darmstadt, Germany. This activity is jointly provided by USF Health and Touch IME. Hello, my name is Dr. K. Mulo and I am Deputy Director of Aged Cancer Center Hospital, also the Director of the Department of Clinical Oncology and Chief of Outpatient Treatment Center at the Aichi Cancer Center Hospital in Nagoya, Japan. It is my great pleasure to welcome you to this discussion regarding optimizing strategy for the treatment of colorectal cancer in the biomarker ELA. I am here with Dr. Rachel Leichelman from the Clinical Oncology Department at the AC Camargo Cancer Center in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and Dr. Chiara Clemolini from the Department of Translational Research and New Technologies in Medicine and Surgery at the University of Pisa in Italy. This is agenda of section one. One is stratifying patients to optimize first-line treatment in colorectal cancer. And second topics is current techniques and recent advances in biomarker testing for patients with colorectal cancer. And third topics is the role of biomarker testing in the evolving colorectal cancer treatment landscape. One is stratifying patients to optimize first-line treatment in colorectal cancer. You can see here overview and prevalence of common metastatic colorectal cancer biomarkers of all biomarkers in colorectal cancer. And you can see here prevalence of number of NTRAC, KELAS, and NLAS, and so on. You can see here. And in the addition to LAS and VLAF mutations, MSI high, DMMR status. HATSU amplification and NTRAC fusion tumor location has been incorporated into guidelines for making treatment decisions. Okay, let's start discussion. Stratifying, stratifying patients to optimize first-line therapy in colorectal cancer. One question is that do the key biomarkers for systemic therapy differ between left and right-sided tumors? And when should we start testing for them? Rachel or Kiara, please. Thank you, Dr. Muro. I think we should be ordering biomarkers when we start first-line treatment, regardless of tumor sightness, although we know that sightness is a very important prognostic and predictive um, biological biomarker, I would say, for first-line therapy, but I think we should order this test up front. I see. Kira? 
I definitely agree. I always wanted to have a RAS and BRAF mutational status and also microsatellite instability for all metastatic colorectal cancer patients when the metastatic disease is diagnosed independently of the site of origin of the primary tumor. Although I think that this information, especially with regard to RAS mutational status, is much more relevant in left-sided tumors because here we have nowadays, I think, a strong amount of evidence suggesting in RAS and BRAF wild-type patients with microsatellite-stable tumors to use anti-GFR-based regimen. Okay, thank you so much. My answer is, uh, you know very well, is, uh, in Japanese trial, is a paradigm trial, is left-sided column, and also ITT population data shows the benefit of doublet plus anti-EGFR compared to doublet plus bevacizumab in last wide type colorectal cancer. This is left and right side distinguishment for the prior therapy, first line, before first line therapy is very important, I think. And second question is, should all patients be tested for Hatsu amplification and N-track fusions? Is it right? Firstly, Rachel, please. Yeah, I think yes, but not, I don't think it should be at the same time. Um, it's not mandatory for first line, but since patients undergo um, microsatellite instability evaluation, usually by immunistochemistry, it, the anytrack fusion immunistochemistry could be a reflex test. So that would be easy to do it upfront. And then for the positive uh, um, cases, then we can pursue if there is really fusions in the NGS. For the HER2, uh, it is important to know the HER2, uh, specifically for RAS wild type, because these tend to occur in about 2 to 5% of cases. But for the RAS um, mutant cases, having a HER2 is um, irrelevant since uh, you know we're not going to be using um, HER2-targeted therapy in these patients. Mm -hmm. I understand. Please, Kiara. I also agree that these information are useful in the therapeutic route of our patients, but probably not so much in the first line of therapy. With regard to heart to amplification, I generally go for asking the test, these tests in RAS wild type, although now we also have data with the trastuzumab deruxtecan that may work also in RAS mutants, but mainly RAS wild type. And uh, I go for testing and track fusions in all MSI high tumors, and in MSS, RAS and BRAF wild type. When is a very important matter is, a, of course, before first line treatment, RAS, BRAF, MSI, and for, if possible, Hatsu or NTRAC, but a little bit difficult to check the heart amplification or NTRAC fusion before first line treatment because Heart amplification is very rare, and intrac fusion is very, very, very rare. And then we usually check the late line, or after second line, or during second line, or later line. We do check heart amplification checking or intrac fusion by NZS. That's a 
Japanese situation at this moment. Okay, next topics. I would like to move on to next topics. The current techniques and recent advances in biomarker testing for patients with colorectal cancer. You can see here current biomarker testing methods in metastatic colorectal cancer. Tissue biopsy or liquid biopsy. Biomarker testing is performed via following methods. Immunohistochemistry, FISH, or next-generation sequencing, such as whole exome sequencing, whole transcriptome sequencing, or targeted sequencing, and so on. Okay, let's move on to discussion. Current techniques and recent advances in biomarker testing for patients with colorectal cancer. First question is, what are the potential implications of liquid biopsy, both in the metastatic and early settings? Okay, Rachel, please. That is a very interesting question, Dr. Moro. Well, we, at least in my country, liquid biopsy is not that common to be used, given that you know, reimbursement is an issue. But I'm pretty sure, well, at least I hope this will change in the future. I think it's still liquid biopsy in, in the adjuvant setting, I would say is a very strong prognostic uh, tool. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure it is uh, predictive now. Mm -hmm. In the metastatic setting, it's, it's important to use, if, if we have access to it, of course, after liver metastasectomy to look into uh, minimal residual disease, also as a strong prognostic information. But in the metastatic unresectable setting, I would say we can use it uh, if, um, as a substitution for uh, tissue if we do not have access to, to it. So is it okay to perform the uh, colon panels and with RAS and BRAF evaluation by liquid biopsy if you don't have tissue? And you can also use it to evaluate for emergent uh, re resistant mechanisms. So in the setting of re-challenging, for example, in third line, fourth line with anti-GFR, you can still evaluate if, let's say, there is uh, the surge of uh, RAS mutant clones to, to really tailor treatment to patients who are still uh, have still uh, tumors with a RAS wild-type phenotype. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Kira? I think that uh, the uh, re-challenge or retreatment application with anti-GFRs is today the application that is uh, closest to the daily clinical practice with regard to the use of uh, liquid biopsy. For the future, I bet on uh, the detection of the minimal residual disease to properly inform the adjuvant therapy of our patients, although up to date we have only one prospective trial with available results, the dynamic trial, but many more trials are currently ongoing worldwide. Thank you. You mentioned the liquid biopsy at this moment is available for metastatic setting to check the rechallenge anti-EJ husband body, but uh, neoadjuvant or adjuvant setting in earlier stage colorectal cancer is a near future uh, will be available. Thank you so much. Okay, next question is, uh, what is the best biomarker testing sequence? Okay, first, uh, Rachel, please. Sure, my pleasure. So I think we, uh... In clinical practice, we order the RAS and the BRAF and the mismatch repair proficiency test by immunistochemistry. That's what we do in first line. 
And then after that, for RAS wild type tumors, most of the time we order the HER2 amplification evaluation, initially by immunohistochemistry as well. And the anti-track fusions can be used, can be tested as a reflect test with immunohistochemistry upfront, or as Kiara mentioned earlier, just for patients with MSI high, which is with the chance of finding an anti-track fusion is higher. And then we can check for uh, with liquid biopsy if that is available when we are planning to rechallenge a patient with uh, an anti-GFR therapy. Okay, thank you. How about same question, Kiara, please? Uh, I, I totally agree with the Rachel interpretation. Okay, thank you. Last question is, will next generation sequence be the standard method in the future? What are the pros and cons? Okay, firstly, nature, please. I hope so. It is still quite expensive, and uh, most of the things we can, we, we need the information we need, we can have it in a small NGS panel or large somatic panels, like the BRAS and BRAF and, uh, and HER2 amplification sometimes. But I think probably in the future, with more targeted therapies that are coming, we're probably going to need uh, expanded panels. So I'm not sure if it's a short or near future, but I think it will be the future. But for the pros and cons, I would say the pros is that the more information we have, of course, it's more interesting. But the cons is that many times we get information that are not useful at this point. Okay, Kiara, please. Uh, actually, I think that today it highly depends on the volume of activity of each individual lab and how they are organized. The only cons I see in the application of an NGS technique is the cost. Otherwise, having clearly multiple testing uh, at an individual time and having more information is of paramount importance and hopefully in the next future, it will be more and more crucial to inform our treatment choices. <laughs> and, it, and it also helps with selecting patients for clinical trials if those are available. So that's, a, that's another pro. Okay, I totally agree with your opinions. Okay, thank you so much. The role of biomarker testing in the evolving colorectal cancer treatment landscape. Okay, you can see here uh, ESMO, ESMO Asia, and NCCN in America guidelines, recommendation for metastatic colorectal cancer biomarker testing. Last, uh, BRAF-V600E, MSID, MMR status, and tumor sadnesses, all together recommended for all guidelines. However, in ESMO is an indication of heart amplification it's recommended in case of last Y-type patients only. However, in NCCN guideline, HATS testing recommended in all patients, regardless of last or wild uh, or last or BLAF status. Uh, CMS is a subclassification uh, one to four, is not yet recommended by SMOSMA Asia and NCCN guideline uh, of use in clinical practice. Okay, third question. Let's move on to discussion. The role of biomarker testing in the evolving colorectal cancer treatment landscape. How do predictive biomarkers guide targeted therapy in metastatic colorectal cancer? Rachel, please. 
So if we have a patient with a tumor that it has a mutation in RAS, in, in RAS or KIRAS, uh, we do not use anti-GFR in any line of therapy. If we have a patient with a BRAF uh, mutation, B600E, now we have targeted therapy to this patient, a BRAF mutant inhibitor together with an anti-GFR. If we have a patient with a deficient proficient mismatch repair or MSI high, now we use immunotherapy for this patient. So we have predictive biomarkers for resistance, which is the RAS mutation, and we have predictive biomarkers of efficacy, which is the, um, the BRAF mutation, B600E, and the MSI high. And now, and also the HER2, when there is HER2 amplification, we use HER2 targeted therapy. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Okay, let's move to the uh, Kiara, please. Uh, well, um, I, I think that the crucial message is that after uh, many years uh, of using biomarkers only as negative predictors of benefit from available drugs, because we were using predictors of resistance to anti-GFR agents to exclude these patients to receive these drugs. Nowadays, we are moving towards the paradigm of positive selection. Rachel properly spoke about BRAF mutants, V600E, who are able to receive encorafenib plus etuximab as a standard option starting from this second line. Microsatellite instable tumors are highly sensitive to immunotherapy, immune checkpoint inhibitors. Uh, we have uh, several anti-HER2 strategies that uh, have been developed and tucatinib and trastuzumab is nowadays approved by FDA in the US for the treatment of uh, HER2 patients uh, pretreated with other treatment options. Finally, uh, in the future, we may see on the horizon a new application which is a targeted therapy for KRAS G. 12C mutant tumors, and in particular, the combination of KRAS G12C inhibitors with an anti-GFR. We have data with Sotorazib plus planitumumab and also with Adagrazib plus Cetuximab that deserve confirmation and are currently investigated in randomized trials. Thank you so much. Okay, uh, first section one is I conclude. The era of precision medicine and personalized therapy based on targeted molecules and genetic abnormalities as a treatment for advanced colorectal cancer has arrived. It is very important to use appropriate testing methods at the appropriate timing and to make the appropriate treatment choices. Recently, not only search for genetic abnormalities using tissue specimens, but also the use of liquid biopsy has made it possible to make more accurate diagnosis and treatment selection, taking into account tumor heterogeneity. These are agenda of section two. Three categories. One is evidence-based first-line treatment choices for patients with colorectal cancer. And second topic is implementing biomarker testing in the clinic, practical considerations. And third 
topics. Will novel combination regimens be the future of colorectal cancer treatment? One is evidence-based first-line treatment choices for patients with colorectal cancer. You can see here established and emerging biomarker-guided treatment options for metastatic colorectal cancer. You can see here last biomarker and targeted drugs in small molecules targeting G12C mutation such as sotolacib or adaglacib. Resistant mechanism is confers anti-GFR-agentic resistance. BLAF is also BLAF inhibitors and are sometimes MEK inhibitors. Negative predictor of response to anti-GFR therapies. MSI is a PD-1 antibody or CTLA-4 inhibition agent. Hatsu is anti-Hatsu agent, very commonly used breast cancer and gastric cancer, and enterotelic fusion is enterotelic chilim or larotelic chilim, and so on. Okay, let's move on to discussion. Evidence-based first-line treatment choices for patients with colorectal cancer. First question is, how should tumor and patient characteristics inform first-line treatment decisions? Okay, please, Kiara. Uh, thank you, Dr. Moore. I think this is a very important uh, topic and uh, a very important uh, point of choice in the treatment route of metastatic colorectal cancer patients because uh, we are all aware of the importance of the first line of therapy in uh, putting the disease under control and hopefully in achieving a good tumor shrinkage in order to allow uh, at least uh, a subgroup of these patients to undergo secondary res uh, resection of their metastatic lesions. I think that the first point that today is the most important driver in the choice of the first line of therapy is the assessment of the mismatch repair proteins or microsatellite instability. Because for tumors with the DMMR or microsatellite instable instability, in these cases, we have to offer our patients immunotherapy that is today pembrolizumab, probably the most evidence-based choice uh, as a first line of therapy. We also have very interesting results with the combination of nivolumab and ipilimumab. But the MSI high tumors are only the 5-4% of all metastatic colorectal cancers, and so for the vast majority of our patients, we have to rely on the patient's general conditions, ECOG performance status and age to identify the best intensity of the upfront chemotherapy backbone that may span from a monotherapy with the fluoropyrimidine alone to the triplet with the, the regimen Folfoxiri. Doublets are the most common intermediate range of intensity choices in terms of chemotherapy. In RAS and BRAF wild type, when a tumor is located in the left side of the colon, I generally go for a doublet plus anti-GFR as the first choice, while in right-sided and or RAS mutant tumors, I generally go, if possible, for the triplet Folfoxiri in combination with Bevacizumab, if possible, based on patient's general conditions, ECOG performance status and age. For elderly patients or frail patients, I generally go for the choice of a monochemotherapy 
And in this case, I combine a fluoropyrimidine with either bevacizumab or an anti-GFR agent based on RAS and BRAF mutational status and on the site of the primary tumor. Thank you for a comprehensive talk. Okay, uh, Rachel, please. Thank you, Dr. Moro. Well, I think Giara made a very comprehensive, as you mentioned, um, summary of how we select patients for thirst-line therapy. The only thing that I would add is that we should always look into tumor resectability. So for patients with, especially with uh, liver predominant disease, if they are not widespread liver metastasis, we should take the species to multidisciplinary tumor boards and discuss with the surgeons if uh, surgery is at least possible in, certain, in the future. Most of the patients will not be cured by liver resection, even if it's an R0 resection, but it, it gives some time. So it's a line of therapy. So that's the only thing that I would add. Thank you. In Japan status, is a, you can know very well as a paradigm trials was reported recently. And uh, if the patient shows a last wire type and uh, BLAF wire type and MSS type, we, we choose a four, four Fox or four Philly plus anti GFR antibody such as Parinzumab or Setakishimab in comparison to bevacizumab combined therapy because of PFS and over-survival in left-sided column and ITT population is overcome in terms of over-survival. Okay, and second question, what targeted therapies are in development for the treatment of colorectal cancer? Kira, please. Uh, well, BRAF inhibitors in combination with anti-GFRs and immunotherapy are already a reality in our treatment algorithm. For the future, we will have a probably more anti-HER2 strategy, strategies for patients with HER2 amplified tumors. We also have nowadays available NTRAC inhibitors, although we know that these molecular alterations are extremely rare in a colorectal cancer. And again, on the horizon, I see the development of KRAS G12C inhibitors, not alone, but probably in combination again with anti-GFR agents uh, to offer better results in terms of response rate, progression-free and overall survival to this uh, limited subgroup of KRAS G12C mutant patients. Thank you. Later, please. Yeah, I agree with Chiara. I would only add that, you know, new immunotherapy agents are coming, immune checkpoint inhibitors are coming, and they're going to be tested in MSI high tumors, including colorectal cancers. So monoclonal antibodies against LAG3 and TGIT probably going to combi be combined with anti-PD-1 to improve uh, the outcomes of the anti-PD-1 pembrolone level or EP level alone. And also, um, Targeted agents, probably agnostic indications for very rare molecular alterations. So, for example, red fusion that just been recently been published. Um, it's very rare in colorectal cancer, as in other tumors. So, maybe we're going to see these uh, alterations and targeted agents to this setting. And also, because KRAS mutations are not that uncommon in patients with MSI high tumors, we may see combinations of KRAS. 12C uh, target agents like adagrazib and sotorazib with, uh, with or without anti-GFR and also uh, the addition of an anti-PDA1.
Okay, thank you for your comments. Second topic is implementing biomarker testing in the clinic. Practical considerations. Practical considerations for biomarker testing. Cost, time, availability, and so on is very important for clinical utility. Biomarker has two meanings. One, and this is the most commonly used, is a biomarker that is predictive of a drug or other treatment. And the other is a biomarker that affects prognosis independent of drug sensitivity, such as prognosis biomarker. Okay, let's start discussion about implementing biomarker testing in the clinic. Practical considerations. How can we best standardize testing techniques and interpretation of test results? Okay, Kiara, firstly, please. Well, Dr. Moore, I think that uh, a crucial uh, word in your previous slide was uh, the topic of a clinical utility. I mean, today in our daily clinical practice, so we have to know a few molecular markers that are needed to choose the best first line of therapy for our patients and then to inform our treatment choices also in later lines of treatment. These markers are RAS and BRAF mutational status, microsatellite instability, and uh, if available, HER2 amplification and NTRAC fusions. Clearly, in the next future, probably, we will need more information about other molecular markers that may drive our treatment choices, thanks to the availability of new targeted therapies and of new agnostic indications for uh, targeted drugs, especially for those targeting small subgroups, small molecular subgroups of our patients. So the point is, is that better to have a sequential approach, I mean, to do one test and then another one and then another one, or to have all of these results available in one single shot as an NGS platform clearly allows to have. I think that the second option is the most cost effective. And in the next future, the costs for these techniques will hopefully and probably decrease. And as a consequence, NGS will be the approach that most labs will endorse to provide the clinicians with all the information that they actually need to um, build the best continuum of care for each individual patient. Uh, I think that another plus is that knowing more about the extensive molecular characterization of these tumors, we may also offer our patients the opportunity to be enrolled in clinical trials investigating specific treatments in molecularly selected subgroups of patients. Thank you. Thank you for your helpful and very understandable talk. Okay, next is Rachel, please. Thank you, Dr. Muro. This is a very important question. And beyond the tumor tissue evaluation, now we have the technology of liquid biopsy. So liquid biopsy, it's something that it's coming. coming. Uh, there are different types. We can measure circulating tumor DNA, which is the most uh, commonly tested in clinical trials, but also 
like molecular circulating, um, sorry, uh, tumor circulating cells are also a, some studies on that. But for the liquid biopsy, where we say it here, it mostly reflects the ctDNA. And for that, uh, we have some uh, indications that are coming. For patients who have a resected metastatic disease, so to the evaluation of minimal residual disease with liquid biopsies, it's a very, very strong prognostic tool. So it gives a lot of information on the chance of relapse. So those patients who have residual resection and still have a positive ctDNA after surgery tend to have a much higher chance of recurrence. But for the metastatic setting, uh, we can use uh, liquid biopsy with the ctDNA mostly uh, to evaluate as a predictive biomarkers. So we can uh, substitute a tumor tissue evaluation for the liquid biopsy to assess RAS and a BRAF mutation status. HER2 amplification and NGS is also, uh, and, and any track fusions are also uh, available to, to be done through NGS in the ctDNA. But for MSI high, this is also possible, but it's uh, sometimes we use it in immunohistochemistry. But the liquid biopsy can give the standard panel that uh, uh, we need to decide on the first line therapy. And the other indication for liquid biopsy is when we're going to offer a rechallenge with an anti GFR agent in third or fourth line for RAS, uh, initially RAS wild type tumors. It's very important to evaluate if the tumor is still RAS wild type because we know these molecular alterations are dynamic. And we can do this with liquid biopsy at that point instead of performing another tissue tumor biopsy. And we have data from the, the Cricket and the Chronos study showing that, you know, if you really select patients who are still have a tumor with a RAS wild type uh, genotype, you know, the chances of the patient responding to the anti-GFR challenge is much higher. So probably this is an indication that it's uh, more closer to clinical practice, as Kiara mentioned before, but it's still not widely available. Thank you so much, Rachel. Very, very comprehensive and perfect talk. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, let's move on to third topics. Will novel combination regimens be the future of colorectal cancer treatment? Okay, you can see here many combination therapies for colorectal cancer using different biomarker analysis are under investigational, including KLAS G12C mutation, sotracib or adaglacib, plus anti-GFL or anti-VGF therapy, and so on. VRAF V600E mutation, enclaferib for VRAF inhibitor and vinibetib uh, or MEK inhibitor or cetakishimab and so on. MSI or DMMR is a uh, anti-PD antibody plus epilimab for anti-CTLA4 antibody or anti-VGF therapy and so on. Has positive cases in the we choose our anti-heart therapy, such as trastuzumab or other anti-heart therapy. Okay, let's start our discussion. What emerging combination strategies are showing promise in clinical studies? Okay, Kiara, please. 
Well, I think we have a lot of uh, things to mention in this point. Uh, first of all, I could um, distinguish between targeted and non-targeted approaches. In the first group, I could uh, for sure mention BRAF inhibition in combination with immune checkpoint inhibitors. We have nowadays data from a phase two trial showing that the combination of, combination of encorafenib plus cetuximab plus nivolumab may be beneficial for BRAF mutant pretreated metastatic colorectal cancer patients. And this combination is currently under evaluation in a randomized trial. Then we have all the story of HER2 amplified tumors that clearly are another um, subgroup of patients deserving a targeted approach. And again, the use of anti-HER2 agents is today anticipated, at least in clinical trials, towards earlier lines of therapy, so that now we have also first-line trials investigating this treatment option. On the other side, with regard to non-targeted approaches, we have now novel immune checkpoint inhibitors and new immunotherapies, for example, uh, botensilimab and bastilimab that are evaluated also in macrosatellite-stable tumors with really promising results that for sure need confirmation in a prospective and randomized trials. And uh, uh, in the frame of non-targeted approaches, also the combination of trifluoridine tipiracil plus bevacizumab has shown great results in terms of overall survival in the sunlight trial, showing that the anti-angiogenic approach is really a powerful strategy in the continuum of care of the treatment of metastatic colorectal cancer patients. So these are the first combinations that come into my mind when speaking about and thinking about the next future of the treatment of metastatic colorectal cancer patients. Thank you for a targeting approach and non-targeting approach. It can distinguish. Very, very important, I think. Okay, next is Rachel, please. Thank you, Dr. Moreau. Uh, for the targeted therapies, I would mention the KRAS uh, G12C. Um, you know, KRAS mutation is really something that, you know, is very, is very challenging in clinical practice because we only have full foxfulfiri for these patients or triplets, but not any other, uh, I would say, breakthrough therapy. So the, 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 uh, the inhibitors, sotorazib and adagrazib, as we mentioned before, of KRAS uh, 12C, Go, uh, combined with anti-GFR seems to be very promising, not only in colorectal cancer, but also in pancreatic cancer. And there are randomized trials now going in that direction. So I think probably this is something that is coming in the future. And for the non-targeted, as uh, Chiara mentioned, there is the fruquitinib trial, uh, the Fresco trial that just showed a positive overall survival improvement. And in, uh, in, in the phase three trial, I think not sure if it is, it's approved already in um, in the West. I think it's approved only in China, but it's probably coming to other countries as well. It, it's a multi-kinase oral inhibitor uh, showing you know benefit in, in later lines, in fourth line of colorectal cancer. Okay, thank you so much. Oh, lastly, I have one question to you and boss. Uh, one one uh, question is... Uh, about uh, TMB, uh, you can know you know very well is that 
It means that high is uh, very, very effective for uh, PD-1 or CTL-1 combination therapy in MSI high colorectal cancer. However, TMB high is not so effective, I think. How do you think about the TMB status in colorectal cancer? Kira, please. Well, I think that we have to be clear to distinguish MSI high that are in the vast majority of cases TMB high. If we adopt the threshold of 10 mutations per megabase as a cutoff, and however, also in the subgroup of MSI high, some reports seem to indicate better response to immunotherapy in those tumors that have a TMB high. But generally, MSI high tumors do respond very well to immune checkpoint inhibitors. On the other side, in microsatellite stable tumors, we have a very, very limited percentage of patients having a high tumor mutational burden. And in this case, I think that we have no evidence that immunotherapy may be a good treatment option for these patients. We have some reports showing that in the case of MSS, also in a high TMB does not make the tumor hot enough to achieve benefit from immune checkpoint inhibitors. If this is the case, this should be prospectively demonstrated in a proper uh, prospective series of patients. Thank you. Very helpful answers. Uh, Nature, please. I agree with Chiara. The only, the only setting that is, is very rare, I've never seen a, a case so far, I hope I do in the future, is those patients with MSS tumor, but with a POL-E mutation. These tumors tend to be hypermutated, so usually TMB of 100, 200, or even more. And there are reports that these patients respond very, very well to immune checkpoint inhibitors. Because it's so rare, it'll be very hard to have a prospective evaluation in that setting. So we may be, have to stick to, you know, single series or a collection registry series. But apparently these very high hypermutated tumors uh, are associated with a POL-E mutation. And these patients seem to benefit from the use of immunotherapy. But this is very, very rare, probably less than 1% of colorectal cancer cases. Thank you so much. Uh, Paul E mutation is very rare, but uh, very effective for uh, PD1 type OD and so on. Okay. Okay. Uh, I conclude in section two. Uh, in colorectal cancer, the treatment based on biomarkers such as LAS, BLAF, MSI, HA2, or sometimes TMB and NTRAC has been established as a standard of care. It is important to develop a treatment strategy that makes full use of the above biomarkers even before first-line treatment. Beyond the development of single-agent therapies, further progress is being made in the development of promising combination therapies against various molecular targets. Rachel, Kiara, thank you so much for very informative talk and fruitful discussion. And thank you for watching this discussion about optimizing strategies for the treatment of colorectal cancer in the biomarker ELA. We strongly hope it has been 
useful for all of you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this Touch podcast. You can access more content on this and related topics on Touch Oncology at www.touchoncology.com. Thank you.